Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. We're going to go right back out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in Kevin Cole from Pro Football Focus. And uh, Kevin Cole wrote a brilliant, and I don't use that word very often, brilliant uh, article, uh, piece for Pro Football Focus, uh, in which he took a real deep dive into all the various, um, you know, uh, drills that players do at the, at, at the Combine, which that's where we are right now at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, um, and tried to figure out what actually correlates from those drills and those numbers and those measurements and those times and all that type of stuff what actually correlates into being a really good football player and what doesn't for that matter. Uh, and without further ado, I'd like to welcome in uh, Kevin um, from Pro Football Focus. Uh, thank you for joining us in the huddle. Really appreciate it. How are you doing, my friend? I, I am doing well, yeah. I mean, it's a, it, it's a difficult task to try to sort out all the different measurements and drills and what matters and what doesn't matter, but... You know, we're trying to get a little bit of a handle on it, and I think there are some interesting results from the analysis that I've provided. Before we get into it, I want to tell a story. I know my listeners have heard this story, but I'm going to tell this to you. Um, I used to cover the Rams, and Les Snead uh, was walking me through the draft process for Cooper Cup. And Cooper Cup did not run a very good 40 time at the 2017 Scouting Combine. And Les literally told me we were basically in our offices when he blew that time, or wherever they were in Indianapolis when it happened basically cork, you know, uncorking champagne and drinking it because they knew that he was going to end up falling exactly where they felt he was going to fall because of the bad 40 time. They had other information that showed, and I think we're going to get into it with you, this guy was a good football player and there were a lot of things that he did as an athlete and a football player that superseded the 40-yard dash, but um, people still pay attention to it. And I want to start right there with the 40 as it relates to running backs, as it relates to wide receivers and linebackers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A, is it truly overvalued in terms of, um, you know, when we're assessing players and what their time is in the 40? And B, um, when are we going to get to a point where that becomes sort of maybe secondary to some other pertinent measurements and times and all of those type of things? Yeah, yeah. I think the the A question is pretty easy, at least from the research that I have done, is that, yes, it is overvalued. I mean, it's the marquee drill that they do during this event, the times 40-yard dash. And if you look across offensive and defensive positions, it is the most important drill. So I've, I've tried to correlate two different things. One is what the drills mean for draft position, and two, what the drills mean for actual NFL value, and I'm measuring that, and we have a wins above replacement statistic for all different players. So when you look at what it means for draft position, it's the most important drill for almost every single position. And you mentioned Cooper Cup, which I think is interesting, is that for wide receivers, you'll see a lot of hype based upon what happens in that 40-yard dash. But in fact, it hasn't been correlated at all with what receivers do as far as how good they are in the actual NFL. For that, it matters much more what they do in the 10-yard dash, what they do in some of the agility drills, what they do elsewhere. So I think it's become something that's become more hype than reality because, let's face it, in an NFL game, 
most players are not running more than 10, maybe 20 yards on any particular play. How fast you are between 20 yards and 40 yards on a full-out sprint it's just not very relevant to the game of NFL football. Okay, and so let's stay right there. Then why is it? Do you think it's fear that you know uh, somebody just doesn't want to fail on somebody, and then the first thing people look at is, well, the dude ran a four six forty or a four seven forty. How could you have not seen this coming? Is is are we so wrapped up in a number, uh, especially with that um, you know that the forty yard dash? That they overthink it, or they're and they're or, or they're fearful of getting burned, and then everybody pointing to that number and saying, "Why were you such an idiot to draft a guy uh, who ran a four seven forty at wide receiver in the first round?" Yeah, I think it's I think it's probably mostly what we would deem like confirmation bias. So, in other words, you only need one team to reach for a particular player in order to draft them, right? So, if one team has someone graded in the first round and 31 teams have them graded in the third round, well, they're going to be a first round pick because you have that one team doing so. So if you have one team who's really high on a particular player and then you get a 40-yard dash time, which seems to confirm this sort of elite athleticism that you believe justifies that, then it gives them that much more confidence and motivation to go ahead and make that pick. So I think that's when it makes a huge difference is when it confirms a lot of the initial pre-combine evaluation that teams have on particular players, then that's what ends up happening, I think. We're talking to Kevin Cole from Pro Football Focus and his brilliant article that he wrote, uh, really digging into the numbers on what really matters and what doesn't matter uh, when we're talking about all the various drills that players do at the combine and how it correlates or doesn't to their success um, on the on the football field. All right, let's start with quarterbacks. Uh, it's the marquee position. It's a sexy position. What are we paying too much attention to and overlooking in terms of um, what we should be watching or shouldn't be watching as these quarterbacks get out here and, and perform uh, the next couple of days? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the quarterback position typifies one of the biggest trends, which is that most things are overvalued, but in particular here, um, height and weight, so just quarterback size is a little bit overvalued. I think it's become less important in the NFL draft over the last few years. I mean, the fact that we had Baker Mayfield go number one, Kyler Murray go number one, that's something that you probably would not have seen, let's say, 10 years ago, and I'm looking back at 10, 15 years' worth of data, so maybe it's changed a bit there. Um, but the most relevant measures that I see are some of the agility drills, some more of the three-cone and the shuttle, which might hint a little bit at pocket movement or things like that that a that, uh, quarterback can have. And then also hand size. And hand size is something that some people have pointed to in the past, and I think it is relevant that when you look at there's a very strong correlation between hand size and height, but at the same time that shorter quarterbacks who have large hands, like Drew Brees had very large hands, Russell Wilson has, has very large hands, uh, Dak Prescott, who isn't the tallest quarterback, has very large hands. I do think that plays into their ability to, you know, generate power behind their throws um, that maybe would be similar to a taller quarterback, and the height isn't as important as some people may think. Does it also, um, with that hand size, correlate to uh, better ball security? Yeah, there's a little bit of that. It, it, it's difficult to tell because ball security is a largely an issue of 
like sack rate for a lot of these different guys. So you're going to have to look at how often they are sacked vis-a-vis how often they, they fumble. So I think that is part of, of the equation, but it really comes more into play in you know windy or difficult conditions, how well they can throw the ball, and again, how much power that they can generate. Because you're going to assume like a big quarterback is going to be able to generate a lot of power, but if you can't get the proper grip on the ball, you can't be accurate with that. So again, like those guys that I mentioned earlier, those smaller quarterbacks who can really rip it into a small space, like a Kyler Murray, they've normally had bigger hand size to go along with it. So uh, let's move over to running back. Um, what gets overvalued and what gets undervalued and what ultimately um, plays the most correlation uh, into success in the NFL? Yeah, so this is the the marquee position for the overvaluation of the 40-yard dash. This is for any position, offensive or defensive, the effect that a strong 40-yard dash time has for a running back is most important in the draft. But I find that, the first of all, the three-cone drill is a little bit more important. So the agility drill, at least for us, and how much value a running back is adding, and it's related a little bit to the fact that we give more credit to receiving production than rushing production. So, so that's a little bit more valued. And then Nexo is now they have you know 10 and often 20-yard split times of the 40-yard dash. So that 10-yard split, and 90% of NFL rushes are 10 or fewer yards. So that 10-yard split time is very, very important. And you've seen many successful running backs. And the example I point to here is Aaron Jones, who has basically a middling sort of 40-yard dash time, but he had a 96th percentile 10-yard dash time, 10-yard split within that. Uh, 40-yard dash, and that seems to be much, much more important and much more relevant to what running backs do is short, explosive runs as opposed to the very infrequent long runs that they have. Yeah, I agree, and it's it's important to note, too, that some guys just have it all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And when you do, you have like Lawrence Taylor, or you have Eric Dickerson, or you have a Hall of Fame guys, So, but most guys don't have it all. So I would think, and you've done a brilliant job of, of, of investigating this, what actually, among the, 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 the rest of us regular humans, what actually correlates into success, especially at uh, their particular uh, position? You know, along the offensive line, I just saw a uh, tweet earlier today, so it's ironic that you're even on today. Orlando Brown um, uh, talked about how he, he ran a 6.40, a 6-second 40. Let's make that clear. A 6-second 40. Um, and at his scouting combine, 10 tackles were drafted ahead of him. And he's had a nice career in spite of the six second 40. A, why are we even, why do we even care or should we care what an offensive tackle runs in the 40? And B, um, how low on the totem pole is speed, straight ahead speed for a position like tackle? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty low on the totem pole. I'll definitely say that. And What's interesting about a lot of these positions is that you have this like selection bias in the fact that the people who are participating in this and the people who are going to end up being offensive tackles in the NFL are a very small subset of human beings. And yes. we're going to analyze in great detail the differences between this very you know, tiny, tiny subset of human beings and make a big deal out of it, as opposed to, you know, the fact that they've been able to functionally participate doing this is probably more important than anything else. You mentioned Orlando Brown. I mean, he had 
what many people deemed at the time as the worst combine in NFL history because not only did he have a poor 40 time, but he was pretty poor on the bench press. His vertical jump, I think, was less than 20 inches, which is, you know, I, I can't say I would get there, but maybe a lot of people would get to that sort of measurement there. And the broad jump was also very, very poor for him. So I think generally for tackle in particular was, in a, was a position that I found that the drills are almost overvalued for draft position across the board. And another one is arm length that people commonly point to as, as something that's big for tackles. But if you can play the tackle position, we've seen some of the best tackles ever, like, like Joe Thomas had one of the lowest arm lengths possible. It's just more about a functional ability than it is about the actual measurements in a lot of these events, especially for positions like tackle or cornerback, where you can get flipped into a different position if you don't reach these particular thresholds. You know, I, and, I, and I know that um, all of this fits into the equation, and you know, uh, much of it should be just weighted accordingly. Um, but if you were sitting down with some scouts and general managers based on the knowledge that you know, now know, um, uh, you know, on the research that you've done, at what point would you say to them, look, watch the film? And weight it, and and how much should the film be weighted? That's I guess that's my question. You know, uh, we have all the numbers, we have all the forty yard dashes, all of that type of stuff. It's all there. Uh, how much at the end of the day should it really be about? Watch the film. That's usually going to take you where you need to go. Yeah, I mean, I think most of it comes into watch the film. I mean, anyone who's even a, a numbers guy like myself, even the nerds of. Uh, football analysis know that the most important input whenever you're building any sort of model to predict what's going to happen in the NFL with an NFL prospect the most important input is always their draft position or what you're assuming their draft position is going to be and that is going to be primarily driven by the film-based analysis so that that is definitely going to be the most important thing but what I would do if I was inside of an NFL franchise, is I would want to turn, and I think some teams are doing this, by the way, I would want to turn the scouting analysis that you're getting for a particular player, and you're going to say, if you believe this is a great player, let's say it's a wide receiver, for instance, um, if you believe this is a great player and you are touting their explosiveness in some particular way, well then let's try to figure out if there's also another independent way to measure that. Now, for some players, it's not going to matter that they're necessarily driven by the explosiveness. Maybe they're driven by their particular nuance and how they run routes. And in that way, the combine wouldn't matter and these drills would not matter. But if you were basing your evaluation upon the fact that you believe that they are a superior athlete or have superior explosiveness in some way, then we would want to back that up with the independent measures from the combine. So it would really be about combining the knowledge and the detail and the expertise of scouts that you're not going to get anywhere else, combining that with other independent measures and figuring out the best mix of those two to making the right evaluation. Last question for you. Uh, my, my, my poster uh, child for everything that you're saying right now um, is, is Stefan uh, Diggs, uh, the wide receiver that the Buffalo Bills, formerly with the Minnesota Vikings. I remember, I, I don't remember what game it was or, or how, but, but I just remember thinking to myself after watching this guy, like, how the heck did this guy go in the fifth round? He was brilliant off the line of scrimmage, route running, everything, polished, great hands, everything. Um, but this is a guy that's a superstar in the NFL, and he went fifth in the fifth round in the NFL. 
How did that happen, and what did the NFL ultimately miss on, uh, on, on Stefan Diggs if they were just looking at pure numbers in a combine setting? Yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, Diggs was a player who looked very good from a production perspective if you only looked at the games that he played. His problem was, uh, I mean, I guess Maryland, I mean, Maryland's not a small school, but maybe it's not the, uh, the biggest school and he didn't attract the most attention there. His combine scores were not great. I mean, a 4-4-6, 40-yard dash at 195 pounds is okay. His three-cone was actually pretty poor, and some people concentrated on that as being something because it was over seven seconds, so maybe some people fell off because of that. But I think the one factor we don't know, looking back, and that probably plays a much bigger part in evaluation than we think is medicals. And he had some injury problems in um, in college, and that could have affected him a bit more than people think. But he was a guy that looked good by some production measures. So I think wide receiver, as opposed to some other positions, definitely is a position where you can try to concentrate on the production metrics more than anything else because wide receivers are competing against each other to get the ball. So those who get the ball more often than not um, are telling us something. They're telling us something about not just whether the quarterback is using them as their first read, but they're telling us whether or not they can get open or not as opposed to a running back or someone else that you're just handing the ball off to. So I think for Diggs, it was probably an injury concern that came into it in combination with the fact that there just wasn't enough respect for, for how productive he was when he did play, as opposed to his mediocre-ish sort of combine numbers at um, a modest weight. Well, it all factors in one way or another, and uh, the, 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 the great equalizer is literally the playing field. Uh, and once you get to the NFL and then everything else goes out the uh, window, can you perform, can you play, uh, can you rise to that challenge and that occasion? Uh, and there's been so many cases... Uh, uh, Kevin, of, of, of guys that have just defied all the numbers that we thought were important. But thanks to people like yourself, we're starting to figure out that we maybe uh, have been focusing on some of the wrong things uh, over the years. And, and, and our quest to continue to evolve and, and understand this game better um, is, is predicated on people like yourself. So thank you for that and, and just really raising, raising some awareness on, on things that we shouldn't pay too much attention to and things that we should. Kevin, it was a pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate it. I uh, can't wait to get you back on uh, at some point uh, down the road. Uh, uh, take care of yourself, and we'll talk to you down the road. Okay, thank, thank you for the kind words. I appreciate it. You got it. That was Kevin Cole from Pro Football Focus. Uh, just Google it. Uh, you can follow uh, or you know go, go Kevin Cole on, on, um, on, on Twitter. Uh, or just go to Pro Football Focus, which I know I keep urging you guys uh, to drop the 34 bucks uh, each month to, to, uh, to get a, a subscription because it truly is a great tool. And you get to see articles like this uh, that really shed light on something that's very pertinent, especially right now, because where are we? We're at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis where a bunch of guys are going to line up to run a 40-yard dash. Uh, a whole bunch of them, more than 300 of them probably, uh, over these next few days. And... I'm going to be thinking about Kevin when I'm watching these 40-yard dashes to see, to think, I'm probably paying way too much attention to this than I should. But that said, it's kind of a fun thing to watch. Who's going to burn a 4-2-40 or 4-3-40, and who's going to be like Orlando Brown and bomb it uh, and, 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 and lose out on money as a result? 
because it's something that maybe we are putting a little bit too much weight into. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador. Live at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, Indiana, Indiana, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Tuesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Up next, quarterbacks and wide receivers. That's who we get to talk to tomorrow, starting at 8 a.m. local time. So uh, if you're on the Pacific Coast, uh, we're talking 5 a.m. in the morning, um, is when uh, Matt Corral uh, from uh, Mississippi, Traylon Burks, the wide receiver from Arkansas, saw him uh, or seen him connected to the Raiders in various mock drafts. Um, Drake London, the wide receiver from USC. If the Raiders are truly interested in Drake London, they're going to have to move it up uh, a little bit in the draft to go get him. Uh, he is not going to be there at pick number 22. That dude is a stud. Sam Howell, uh, the quarterback from North Carolina, is up at 8.30 tomorrow morning. Uh, so a whole bunch of quarterbacks and wide receivers will be stepping up to the podium Um to, uh, to, to put their best foot forward with us, the media, and uh, we'll be out there uh, tomorrow trying to get some sound and just trying to get some uh, insight onto some of these guys. Uh, if you have anybody in particular uh, that you would like to hear from or uh, like me to talk to, hit me up, man. You guys know how to do that uh, on, on, on Twitter. Uh, I'll, I'll be happy to oblige if I can fit it in uh, without question. I want your, your, your calls uh, on where you think... The direction you think uh, the Raiders should take in the draft and in free agency, give us a call, 702-365-9200. We talked to Greg Bedard uh, earlier uh, in the show about the possibility um, and the likelihood of the Raiders at least kicking the tires on Aaron Rodgers. And Greg Bedard is kind of under the uh, impression or the assumption that Aaron Rodgers is going to um, ask essentially ask for a trade um, from the Green Bay Packers to find greener pastures, maybe warmer pastures uh, someplace else um, if he does. And it, it, it felt like that was where it was headed last year. Remember, we went through all of this last year. Uh, I don't think, if I remember correctly, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers spent one minute in, in OTAs. There was some question whether he was going to go to training camp. You know, it was a lot of drama last year. Shocking, I know, with Aaron Rodgers, that drama would be a part of it. Uh, but sometimes with greatness, you have to accept uh, a little bit of high wire act that you got to uh, tote and walk uh, alongside them. Uh, it's no different, you know, when you think about it, to some of the greats in any sport. There's a volatility to working with people that are just at the very top of their world. And that goes for everybody. Heck. What was it, 2003, 2004? I can remember vividly writing many stories about, is Kobe Bryant coming back to the Lakers? He asked for a trade. He demanded a trade. He said he was never going to come back uh, to the Lakers. He said that he was lied to by Jerry Buss, that they were going to rebuild around him. Remember, Kobe Bryant was the was the player that the, that the Lakers chose over Shaquille O'Neal when they went in another direction after winning 
three championships, and it wasn't happening fast enough for Kobe, and he basically said, I want out of here. I want to play anywhere else but the Lakers. And a whole offseason went by with everyone thinking that he was going to go someplace else. The Lakers held firm. And lo and behold, that season, later on that season, was when they made the trade for Pal Gasol, and the rest is history. The Lakers ended up winning two more championships, going to three more uh, NBA Finals to kind of cap uh, everything off. So there's going to be an element of that when you're dealing with great players, but also like next-level intelligent. And that's sometimes the case. Kobe Bryant was one of the smartest people I've ever crossed paths with in, in everything in every kind of genre and every subject he knew things and was just so bright and so intelligent and Aaron Rodgers like him or hate him or whatever you want to say about him uh, egotistical absolutely um, you know uh, uh, but don't do not ever question his intelligence because it's a next level type of intelligence and he and he expects that from everyone that he works with that's what uh, uh, Kobe, that's how Kobe was. He was literally, he drove a very hard bargain. It's why a lot of what you read about Kobe and heard about Kobe throughout his career, you'd probably thought to yourself, why would I want to like this guy? I always said I was fortunate enough. There's two sides to Kobe Bryant. There was in-season Kobe Bryant who drove a hard bargain with teammates, coaches, trainers, front office people, the media. Don't ask a bad question. Don't ask a dumb question or else you're going to get a look from him saying, did you just ask me that question? Like, that's a dumb question. And so you had to bring it when you were asking Kobe. You didn't just, you know, uh, just just sort of go up to Kobe Bryant and ask any old thing. You had to bring it as a question asker to Kobe Bryant. Flat out. Kobe, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was like that as well. He would just give you that look like, <clears throat> you're wasting your time and my time by asking some nonsense like that. He, and, 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 and Kareem wouldn't even have to say it. He'd just give you that look like, are you serious right now? So you had to bring it, and everybody had to bring it, and everyone does have to bring it. When you're around greatness like that, if you're going to be in this kind of business, you better damn sure assume and expect that you're going to have to deal with that. Some people might want, might want to call it a diva. Some people might want to call it over the top. Whatever. Those are the type of people that you win with, and you have to be able to manage it, deal with it, understand it, um, have patience with it sometimes. You know, there's always a cooling off period. With If we're talking about Aaron Rodgers, who knows? Maybe next week he's like, I love Aaron Green Bay. I don't know what all the fuss was about. Uh, let's go try to win another Super Bowl championship. And the Packers will have sat back and let that process play out the way they kind of are right now. Uh, understanding who they're dealing with and what makes him tick. Um, and, and, and just... Manage it correctly. That's what you have to do sometimes, and there's a lot of that. Um, you know, when you when you really think about it, especially with the highest level of them, the greats. Um, from I don't care who you're talking about, Michael Jordan. You don't think Michael Jordan was a handful to deal with? You don't think that Michael Jordan understood how great he was and um, the the uh, pressure that he could apply and when you're that great, you want everybody to do their job as great as you do jo your job. Now, obviously, you have to be able to walk a fine line being that great because not everybody on your team is going to be as great as you are. And you have to understand that and you have to give allowances for that. But where Kobe was never unbending, where 
Michael Jordan was never unbending, where I don't think Aaron Rodgers is unbending, is I don't, it doesn't matter that you're not as good as me. I get that. I understand that. I'm blessed. You know, that's just the way it all worked out. That's the way the cookie crumbled with God. I got a lot of the talent. I got more talent than you. And then so you, nobody outwardly says that, but you know that and you understand that. We all, you just walk around in your high school. There were guys that were 10 times better at me. Yeah, Vinny, but I don't think that that's the thing with Aaron Rodgers. I think that he, he doesn't take any accountability for when the team loses. I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't buy that. I don't, I don't, I don't think that that's. Uh, I mean, what's he gonna do? What, what accountability does you know? I, 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 I get that a little bit, yeah. And a lot of the greats are like that. They're gonna kind of overlook some of the things that you know maybe they haven't done. But here's the one thing: football is a lot different too than basketball. You have to have basketball too. You can't just throw anybody out there with anybody else and expect to win championships. That's why Michael Jordan didn't win championships for the first seven years of his career. He didn't have the necessary supporting cast. So you have to get that correct. And I think that that's the main thing that all of those guys drove at with their organizations, Aaron Donald including. You don't think that Michael Jordan was looking cross-eyed sometimes at his people going, um, you see the team that Larry Bird has over there in Boston? Do you see the team that Magic Johnson has over in Los Angeles? Get me some of those guys. I need the, those type of guys. You don't think LeBron understood that? That's why he's left some situations now. That's why he's left some situations now. Think about Aaron Rodgers. Why should he be any different than those guys? I mean, it wasn't like LeBron wasn't taking accountability. It wasn't like Kobe wasn't taking accountability. It wasn't like Michael Jordan... Uh, in his times of pushing the right buttons, wasn't taking accountability. What he was saying is, put a damn good team around me and we're going to win championships. All of them were saying that, and including Aaron Rodgers, which is why I don't necessarily disagree with what Aaron Rodgers is doing. He's telling the Green Bay Packers, go get the talent, and don't bring any nonsense about, well, we're paying you this. We're Figure it out. Other great teams do. Other great organizations do. So the accountability thing, I don't even buy that. I don't even put two cents into that. I don't care. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm like, I'm Aaron Rodgers. If I'm Kobe Bryant, I'm like, I'm Kobe Bryant. I know what I bring to the table. And you give me the necessary help, which in Aaron Rodgers' case, I don't think he's thought that of the Green Bay Packers. That's why I think the He only scored uh, 10 points in that uh, NFC uh, divisional game. Okay. This past game, ten you're points. Talking, you're talking about one. You're talking about one game. The past three really, seasons, they've went thirteen what and three. Patrick Mahomes score against those guys. What are you talking about, Devon? Patrick Mahomes lost. Patrick Mahomes lost in overtime in his last playoff game. The Aaron Rodgers scored ten points. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers shut down the Kansas City Chiefs two weeks later. No, in the Super Bowl. that's not. That's not what I'm talking. No, 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 no. We we're not talking about Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes loves the situation. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers. That's just the oh, they the the team has went thirteen and three when he's been the starting quarterback the past three seasons. That's pretty darn good, right? So it can't be thirteen and three in the regular season. And hey, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, back to back MVPs. And then in the playoffs, I need some better players around me. These guys are bums. He does. He does. He's lost to better teams. To me, he's lost to better teams collectively. I you know he he's lost to better teams. I thought. And you don't want it. You want to know where what the breakdown was uh, in Green Bay? Special teams. Their special teams lost the game for them. It was the special team. That's why you have to have a complete team. It was. I say I mean, to you, ten points. Answer, riddle me that. Why ten points? I know that's. I know it's. I know it's more than Aaron Rodgers. But you're the quarterback. You're the MVP. Ten points. Game seasons it was on like the line. Fifty below zero in that game, or, or so, it was like some crazy weather game, and it, it affected both teams' offense. And in that kind of a situation. 
um, a lot of times it's going to be who's the strongest across the board. Who's not going to make the mistakes? And unfortunately for the Packers, they win that game, and then they go play. Uh, you know, they they host the rest of the playoffs. Uh, you know, at their home field. I'm not I'm not saying he didn't play. I'm not saying he played a great game in that game. But I'm saying that what really ended up losing that game was their special teams took a big old you know what uh, right there on national TV. That's why their special teams coach is now Rich Pisaccia and not the guy that was there before him. So. I'm talking about over the course of a career, why I respect Aaron Rodgers, and I've dealt with people like him in Kobe Bryant, in players like that, observed somebody like a like a Michael Jordan and a LeBron James. Are they a handful? Yes, because they expect you to do your job as well as you do he does his job. And if you want to say he's the reason they lost the Packer game against the 49ers, okay, great. That's that's what you say. I'm not going to argue with you, with you on that. I also think, though, that it was more of just the team wasn't as good, um, and 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 their weaknesses of that team ended up costing them a game that they probably you know sh- should have won. So uh, my whole point is, you can pinpoint a game, you can you can you know uh, uh, bring up this example or that example, but the bigger picture of it is, he has every right. As good as he is, just like Kobe, just like LeBron, just like Michael Jordan, just like all of those guys, just like Tom Brady, just like uh, you know, um, look at Matthew Stafford left the Detroit Lions for a, a, not the same reason, but um, it was getting you know not the is. same reason at all. You can't compare those situations at all. I know they were so bad that they couldn't even get to the playoffs with them. Okay, so uh, this is a guy like I said, back to back times. When will it ever be? Hey, hey, Aaron Rodgers just didn't get it done this game. Because you go the um, whole career, he went fifteen and one, and he went fifteen and one in one season. Oh, the Packers did coming off of their Super Bowl win, so they win the Super Bowl. Make that's a great chance to go back to back fifteen and one. They get they lose to the Giants. Eli okay, Manning so, spanks them. Right, so, so it's just drafting, it's always well. You say you can never pick a game, but there's got to be some. There's got to be some games where he's only got that one championship for a reason, and it can't be because during his 15 year career, however long he's been with the Packers, he's only been playing. No one around him has just been on his level. No All right, one's Devon good Cotton. enough. All right, Devon Cotton. We're talking about the last 10 years. You have the first pick of the draft. We're only drafting quarterbacks. Who's your first quarterback you're taking? Tom Brady. Second. Patrick Mahomes. Third. Ooh, when did that happen? Uh, yeah, Aaron Wright. Okay, he'd be third. Okay, there you go. That's all that needs to be said. Thank you very much for playing that game. And we can, we can. We what do you can, mean? That's all that needs to be said. What does that prove? You just, he's you good. Just yeah, he's, he, he's not just good. He's he's like you could argue that he would be number two too. You know, Patrick Mahomes has some. You know, I I love Patrick Mahomes. I think you could go either way with those two quarterbacks. Uh, you put you put Pat you put you put Aaron Rodgers in the Kansas City situation. I think they were winning Super Bowl championships w- 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 without question. But you just said it. You just you, he's he's you would pick him third over right. And right now, what if you were drafting right now this minute? What would your draft be? He'd be your second pick then, because Patrick Mahomes would be your first. Right. Sure. I still, okay. I still don't know where you're getting at. Yeah, but no one's saying I'm just he's not saying good. He's pretty damn good. That's what I'm, I'm saying. I'm saying he that put, too. I'm not saying he's bad. You're making it sound I mean, like you, you, you just want him to fall on the sword and hear from Aaron Rodgers. Oh, take the blame. Okay, I, you know, I, I'd have to go through every transcript to, to, to see if he never took any responsibility. I, are you saying that he's never said I could have played better in this game? I'm not saying that at all. What was it, two well, then, two seasons ago in the playoffs where, oh, my God, how do you take the ball? Why do you kick the field goal? Why do you take the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hand? 
That was why didn't why didn't he why didn't he just run in for the touchdown when he had the ball? There, the end zone was in his sight, but it, and that's obviously. Okay. Oh, he thought he had another down. I, I, don't I think he could have just ran it in. I, I'm trying to figure out what your point is. My you're point that he is hasn't that been accountable. yes, he's not holding himself accountable. My point is that you're saying, hey, these the greats, man, Michael and Kobe. They know that hey, they're just so special, and they know that. But you need to. They need those pieces around them. And I'm obviously. saying he's had a career. He's had a career where the records speak for themselves, where the records have been pretty darn good. And now the recent reports don't know if it's true. Could be a bunch of malarkey. Is that he wants to be one of the highest paid quarterbacks? He wants to be the highest paid quarterback in football. If that's the case, Brady, he got those Super Bowls in New England by taking less. If you want to, if you want your team to succeed, and they, they never draft an offensive weapon in the first round, maybe just take a little less, and they'll bring in some new weapons around you. But he just doesn't want to be there. And just come out and say that the same thing with Kyler Murray, where it's, hey, he's releasing these statements because he wants that contract. Just come out and say, trade me or I'm not playing. Just say it. What if you don't want to be traded and you're just trying to get some more money? What are you, anti-player getting money? I don't think I don't think Kyler Murray wants to get traded. I think he just wants to get paid. But I'm, the, here, the, the correlation Kyler, I'm making here, there is just the, say here, it. Here, just say it. The, here's the dilemma for uh, Kyler Murray. There's precedent now for teams waiting and letting it play out rather than uh, exercising, you know, or, or, or signing it a, a year too early. Uh, Baker Mayfield, who else am I talking about? Lamar Jackson, right? He hasn't gotten his uh, second contract yet. Um, where teams are saying, we're going to wait. And if you're Kyler Murray, some of those situations didn't work out for the, for the player, especially in Baker Mayfield's uh, uh, position. He wants to get this thing wrapped up, and I understand it. I totally understand it. Is he going about it the perfect way? I don't, I, I don't know what the perfect way is. And here's the other thing, and I will always say this, uh, 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 Devon. You don't know what the conversations, none of us do, behind the scenes. Everybody sees sometimes uh, the, the lever that, that somebody plays, and you think, why would you... Wh- how come you just don't talk about it? And you don't know, I, I've been talking about it and it's falling on deaf ears. This is the next step in, in, in the negotiating process. I'm gonna put some pressure on him this way. So just because he did what, or his agent did what he did, don't think for a second that they're just, they just abruptly did that or they just haphazardly did that. They may have been calling the Cardinals 50 straight times and not getting an answer on 50 straight calls and or talks are going nowhere and now they're trying to drive it up. Uh, a, a, a notch or two. So, you know, the full story, and, and you're saying, oh, come out and say it. I don't think that they want to get traded. I don't think they want to get traded. And I think that Kyler Murray's agent made it very clear he wants his client to get paid a lot of money. And let's face it, that's Kyler Murray talking. So uh, so uh, we know that. And, but he's not going to put himself in the, in the position to be the greedy guy. Uh, that's just sort of how that works. Uh, but, uh, Devon, thanks for the great job, uh, that you did at home base. Truly appreciate it. Uh, I want to say thanks to the callers, uh, appreciate all the support, appreciate all the insight and input. Uh, as always want to say thanks, uh, to Greg Bedard for joining us. Uh, excuse Boston me. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. I was looking at a, uh, okay. Well, I just want to say thanks to everybody right now. <laughs> Devon, I'm going to say thanks Twice today. I'm going to say thanks to everybody so far for making this such a great show, including yourself, Damon. You got me all fired up, man, about uh, about about uh, Aaron Rodgers. I think he's – I think I, – I, I give room for geniuses. Uh, and, I, and I put Kobe and those guys uh, into that case. Genius is – you know, th- th- those guys are sort of – and you have to just deal with that sometimes. 
uh, as a team. I am curious, I have to say, uh, Damon, uh, on, on how that all plays out. If you were, what do you think it's going to, how do you think it's going to play out? I think he's just going to play, play in Green Bay for another season. Hmm. We shall see. When we get back, we're going to go back out to the Raider Nation uh, listener line. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Tuesday. DeMond's got me all fired up. I, I, I lost track of the time uh, right there. But thanks to all you guys. I'm going to say thanks uh, again in a few minutes, but thanks to all you guys because uh, you know that I appreciate it. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Rodney is on the line. How you doing, Rodney? What's up, Vinny? I'm doing good, brother. I, I, I tell you, I've been listening to a lot of talk radio. I'm born and raised here. And, uh, I tell you, you you got a really good show. You do a really good job, and I just want to compliment you on that. Uh, Thank you, I appreciate it. Where's uh, Where's here? Where's here for you? Vegas. Oh, beautiful! Love it, love it, man. Yeah, born and raised in Vegas. I'll be fifty six in three weeks, and I've been a Raiders fan. My mom took me and my two brothers to Sears when I was five years old, pointed us to the NFL sweatshirt section, and said, "Pick one." I picked the Raiders, my older brother picked the Cowboys, and my younger brother picked the, uh, what are they now, the Commanders, Washington, that's what they are, right? The Commanders? Commanders, yes. Yeah. Did you, but, did you uh, also get Did you also get the bed sheets and all that? Because we had the bed sheets. Uh, we had... Dude, I, I had the pajamas, <laughs> I had slippers, I, I mean, anything. I had the, remember the old, the, 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 what were they, the starter jackets that were the fake leather and... Um, Those like are so cool. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. So yeah. No, I've, I've been a Raiders fan forever, and uh, I, I got to tell you. And originally, I called because I, I thought I heard you guys. I just left work, and I thought I heard you guys talking about you know Derek Carr for this, or would you take Aaron Rodgers? So if I'm off, I apologize. But I will say this: I heard everything you said about Aaron Rodgers, and I agree. The guy's a genius. With that said. I wouldn't trade Derek Carr for a 38-year-old diva genius for anything. I, 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 and I, I, I try to make my point by saying this. Do you think if you took Aaron Rodgers and put him on the Raiders this past season, do the Raiders win the Super Bowl? No. I mean, or at least that, that's what I think. Do you think they would have a chance with Aaron Rodgers to have won the Super Bowl this past year? Um, whew, that's a, 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 I, I think he, he gets them closer. Yes, I, I, I do. He's that good. Um, oh. but, there, but that doesn't, that doesn't overlook the deficiencies along the offensive line or, um, right. You know, the, and, and right, exactly. And, and I think you're going to have to give up so much to get a 38 year old Aaron Rodgers, who I don't believe he's going to do what Tom Brady's done till he's 44. That's just my opinion. But let's say you got two or three good years out of them, but with everything you have to give up, is, is it worth getting a good quarterback? And knowing that he does have a history of pouting and, and, and causing a little drama, what if the Raiders got Derek Carr, or I'm sorry, Aaron Rodgers, and they started off two and four? What happens then to him? 
Does he, he I mean, I, I don't know. I think, I think Derek Carr, after he broke his leg, I think he, he just, he was scared in the pocket. He had happy feet. He threw it away too early. I don't think he runs enough right now, but I think he is, he's getting over that, that his broken leg. And I think if we can put uh, uh, the pieces around him, start adding pieces, I think the Raiders could be legit and could go far with Derek Carr. I just think to get rid of him and give up a bunch of stuff, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, I, I, I just don't think it's worth it at this point. Yeah, uh, and th- those are great points. Um, those, are, those are truly great points. And, uh, and it, it would have to, obviously, um, Rodney, be something where you'd have to weigh what those costs were and um, does that warrant making that kind of a move right now, knowing that you have other areas to fix. Uh, and that's the other side of that coin. And I, as we sit here today, I think Derek Carr will be the quarterback of the Raiders. I think he's going to sign a, uh, a, a contract extension. Um, but, uh, you know, having said that, I do think that if Aaron Rodgers puts himself out there to a point where the, the Packers have really no choice but to put him out there um, on the open market, um, I think the Raiders will do their due, due diligence. But as Rodney just pointed out, it might be thank you, but no thank you. We like our quarterback, Derek Carr, and how close – we are to putting the right players around him. That might be the position uh, that they that they take, and I don't think that would surprise uh, anybody. And I do believe the Raiders are pretty close. Now, you're going to have to roll the right dice here in this offseason in order to get the right pieces around him uh, to take this thing another step further, uh, not only just to get to the playoffs, but win some games uh, in the playoffs. Um, and, and, and we'll see, uh, you know, Chris Ballard today, the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts brought up a good point about the importance of upfront and the importance of blocking and protecting your quarterback, because as that goes, the confidence level of your quarterback goes as well. There's some guys out there and it's very few and far between that can overcome a bad line or a mediocre line. There's some, but there aren't that many. So if you want to make your life uh, better for your quarterback and, and put him in a better position to succeed and to play well and to have confidence, which is a lot of this is all about, you got to do a better job protecting him. And I think first and foremost for the Raiders, that is an area that they have to take a look at. And as this week goes on here in Indianapolis, getting a chance to talk to some of these offensive linemen and also scouts and, and whatnot about who to keep an eye on uh, in the draft at that position is going to be really fascinating. Okay, now I want to thank... Uh, Greg Bedard uh, for coming in and, and, and doing what he does uh, uh, in the huddle. I really appreciate his insight. Thanks to Kevin Cole from Pro Football Focus. Fascinating article that he's written uh, in terms of what to look for and what not to look for, what to pay attention to and what not to pay attention to in terms of some of these drills and how it correlates uh, into success on the football field. Devon Cotton, you do a great job. Thank you so much for everything you do at home court. Uh, thanks to the callers. Really appreciate it. Fun show today. We'll be back at it tomorrow. 4 to 6 p.m. live from the uh, Scouting Combine here in Indianapolis. Uh, day one, going to talk to some quarterbacks, going to talk to some wide receivers, and going to talk to Josh McDaniels, the new head coach of the Raiders, uh, in length and in depth uh, tomorrow uh, when he takes the podium officially as the Raiders head coach here at the Scouting Combine. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.